Last night, I read a section in the book, The Body Electric by Robert Becker, which I mentioned in episode two while I'm still reading it. And it's a slow process. And I'm actually kind of glad that it's taking me a while to get through it because I'm realizing that each chapter and section that I get through ends up sort of bringing up topics that I plan on discussing in episodes of this podcast. So it actually kind of works. But last night I was reading about copper and it was specifically talking about piezoelectricity in bones and what they found when they were doing research. And when I say they, I'm I'm talking about the author who is a researcher and his team or his colleagues that he was working on these experiments with. But what they found was that, or what they were trying to figure out is what in bone makes it piezoelectric. So what gives it that electrical, what is the cause of the electrical charge in bone? And they originally thought it was appetite, which is this sort of like crystalline structure that's all along the outside of the collagen. But in fact, they found out that appetite is not is not piezoelectric at all. And in fact, it is the collagen that is piezoelectric. And specifically within the collagen or within the the way the, the collagen and the appetite are put together, what they discovered is that there are trace elements of copper in there. And I thought this was very interesting because what we find as people age is, you know, you have more and more people get osteoporosis and, you know, their bone starts to sort of break down. And what for a long time, I think it was thought that it was the calcium that gets broken down. But what I think is sort of becoming a new realization or a new sort of understanding is that it's actually copper. It's actually a copper deficiency that causes the bones to break down because it's the copper that is that sort of works as the glue between the collagen and the appetite. And you need collagen. Collagen is that sort of uh, squishy, uh, string-like essence within the bone. And as soon as the collagen breaks down, then that's when you sort of get the grinding between the joints. And that's when your skin starts to get more saggy. But it's, it's it's actually the copper within the collagen that gives it that electrical charge gives it that elasticity. And I find that to be very interesting that it's copper that they discovered to be piezoelectric within the bone because, well, for several reasons. First, I want to kind of mention that this was maybe a year, this was a few years ago. I was noticing that my, you know, my dad was sort of starting to get the peppery beard. Um, His beard started to go a little gray. And, you know, I was just kind of like, oh, you know, you're getting a little gray beard. And then it was, I don't know, months later or something like that. And I saw him again and it was not gray anymore. It was his hair was back to being his beard hair was back to being like a black color. And I said, well, what did you do? How did you go? Like, it's like you reversed your gray. And he said, yeah, I started taking copper. And, and so that was years ago. So I knew that copper had something to do with your hair turning gray. And so I thought, I found that to be very interesting, um, that it's actually copper deficiency that makes your hair turn gray. And, and now what I just learned is that it's copper deficiency that makes your bones go brittle. 
So copper is extremely, an extremely important element. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about copper and the importance of copper and the importance of, of proper minerals in your diet. But first, welcome back. Uh, if you're new, this is Life and Art with Nicole, and I'm your host, Nicole. This is a weekly podcast where I discuss various lifestyle topics such as books, acting, music, film, television, health, wellness, spirituality, and a whole bunch of other really interesting topics. And I've got a really interesting episode ahead, so stay tuned. Osteoporosis is one of those diseases that affects so many people around the world. And I think it's estimated that it's one in five women over the age of 50 are likely to develop the disease. And so basically for a long time, it was thought that it was just calcium that caused the bone to sort of uh, lose its uh, elasticity. But like I had just mentioned, it's actually copper. And Essentially, osteoporosis comes about when copper is removed from the bone. And what actually happens is the apatite crystals that are attached to the collagen fall off and then the bone starts to degenerate. And so researchers are, are still trying to figure out if this is a chemical or a metabolic process that causes this, but... Basically what's happening is there is a change in the electromagnetic binding force, which basically or essentially causes the copper to dislodge and that binding is somehow stopped and the apatite crystals that are attached to the collagen begin to fall off. So that's, so basically copper is a conductor and something is happening within the body that causes the copper to stop conducting and stop sort of cease that binding um, process between the appetite and the collagen. And, and what it's possible, as it's mentioned in the book, that it can result from a change in the overall electrical field. And that in, in turn has an effect on the body. Um, this is still something that's sort of being researched. And this is something that I will be getting into as we kind of delve more and more into the electrical forces around us. And I talk more about this in, in separate episodes, but I really wanted to bring this up again because we do know that copper is, is a conductor. And I find it really interesting that it is the deficiency in copper within the bone that causes the bone to degenerate. And so that was the first point. And and so the second thing that I find really interesting about this is that there has been uh, an increase in electroculture, I guess, in gardening. And a lot of gardeners, a lot of farmers are starting to use copper wires in their on their farms, on their land, and they're noticing that especially if you wrap, if you take a copper wire and you wrap it around, let's say a, a branch or some sort of stake and you stick it in the ground in the soil, what they're noticing is that the plants, uh, so the, the fruits, the vegetables, whatever they're growing, that they, that they stick this copper wire close to in the ground, what they're noticing is that 
they're getting a sort of like two, three times um, the amount of yield in their produce. And I find that to be very interesting. And at some point, I do want to discuss the use of electricity in the past and how it was used in these big, huge greenhouses uh, to produce enormous fruits and vegetables. And so that that will so that may be a later topic. But I find that to be very interesting that it's copper in particular that is being used now, this sort of resurgence in the use of copper in in electro, I think it's called electroculture, electropermaculture. And, and, you know, so it's fascinating that, you know, we know that copper is a conductor. We know that when you lose copper within the body, the collagen starts to break down, the hair starts to turn prematurely gray, you get a whole host of other issues. And, and now what we're finding is that it's, it's clearly not just something that's happening in the body. It's also happening within the plants and, you know, we're, we're able to see it because when we stick copper into the soil, we stick a copper wire into the soil, we're getting an enormous yield from it, which means there is a lack of minerals in the soil. And that's what I actually wanted to talk about in this particular episode, because that is huge. And that is why it's one of the reasons why we're seeing such an increase in disease in the population and it's it's uh, a lot has to do with the fact that the soil no longer has the proper minerals in it and which means that you know we harvest the food we eat the food but there's no minerals in the food so we're essentially eating non-food it's like dead food it's alive but it's it doesn't have all of the nutrients within it to give us what we need to survive to give us what we need in order for our body to use it properly in in its energy in its uh, processes. So I, I find that to be very very um, interesting. That sort of connection between copper loss in the body, copper loss in the soil, and you know a lot a lot has to do with this. You know we we can easily point to over tilling in farms, and there's been a a big sort of resurgence in non-tilling in farming now. Now they're realizing now a lot of farmers are realizing that when you overwork the soil, you actually you remove the minerals and the nutrients from the soil. So, you know, that's why there's there's a a lot of farmers use cover crops in order to put minerals back into the soil. And then, you know, the use of fertilization, the use of fertilizers a lot of farmers are switching to organic because they're realizing that the synthetic fertilizers are actually being are actually more detrimental. <clears throat> I myself have a garden and I try to stay I try to use more organic, stick to the more organic gardening. It's kind of difficult um because, you know, unless you have like a big compost pile and and uh you've been doing this a long time, it's uh, you, you once you want to when you want to jumpstart your garden, it's a lot easier to sort of just eat. It's, it's just a lot easier to pick the synthetic fertilizers. But as I get more and more into this, I'm moving away from the synthetic fertilizers and I'm moving more into the organic fertilizers. So I I tend to stick stick to that and um, I'm getting more into composting, which is great. But what I learned in my first sort of round of gardening, which was about 
a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago at this point. And what I learned was that, you know, when I'd first at, at the end of the season, I'd pull up the plants and then I'd kind of get in there with my hands or get in there with uh, um, my little mini stake thing. And I would just kind of really like overturn the soil. And I, it, I didn't learn until later that that's actually not good because the soil kind of once it's settled, it's settled and there's life in the soil and you've got all the microscopic insects and all the little microscopic bugs and all the nutrients and the minerals just kind of doing their thing in there. And when we get in there and we overwork it, we uh, cause distress to the environment and the soil. And that's what's happening on a large scale on these farms. And so that is one of one of the reasons why we have a lack of minerals in the soil. Another reason, which I personally believe is the the electrification of the world. We're seeing such a surge, such an increase in all different types of generations of technology, which I also mentioned in episode two. And um, we're seeing all, all the different changes in the electromagnetic fields, which in turn have an effect on the elements within the soil and within our bodies. And that's another reason why we're unable to receive the proper minerals, the proper nutrients, in the food. And so there's a whole, there's a whole holistic (laughs) sort of, um, situation going on. And I feel like what we're, what as a society, what we're doing is we're diagnosing individual parts and we're not looking at the whole, we're not saying, okay, it's all of this together. That's causing these issues, you know, because it's not just osteoporosis. We have so many different diseases, so many different illnesses in the world that are just it there's so many and and you know for the most part we should be able to correct it with diet but in order to correct it with diet we have to make sure that the diet has all the proper elements within it in order to feed the body properly even the way we pre- so even the way we prepare our food is different you know there i think it was a few years ago i was reading up on you know cultures people or communities that live the longest and are the healthiest. And what they found is that these communities, they still used wood stove cooking. So they would cook their food on a wood fire. And when the fire went out, what they would do is they would take the ashes from the fire and sprinkle it on their on their crops, on their garden. So they would kind of side dress the soil. And and so what was happening is the ashes from the wood, which contain a ton of minerals, what, what they were doing is they were essentially side dressing all of their you know, gardens and their farms with the minerals from the ashes. And so that would go right back into the food. And so these, it was these communities, these cultures that lived the longest and were the healthiest and had the least amount of diseases because they were getting the proper minerals and the proper nutrients in their food because the food would, the plants, roots would, would absorb the minerals from the ashes and then it would get right back into the fruits. And so they would eat the fruits and the people would be happy. And this was an ongoing cycle. Well, as soon as we moved away from that as a larger society, we moved, we moved from cooking our food on the wood stove outdoors, or, you know, you can do it indoors as well. But as soon as you move away from cooking your food on a wood stove and you're now cooking it on an electrical stove, you no longer have those ashes. You no longer have that excess that you can put into your food. Now, of course, with composting, you can take your food scraps 
and put that in a compost and eventually put that into the soil, which is sort of the same thing. It's slightly different because the ashes have broken it all the way down to its, have basically mineralized everything. So it's, it's going into the soil immediately, whereas compost takes a while to break down. So anyway, so, so, so that's one of the, that's one of the main differences between really, really, really healthy communities and unhealthy communities is the use of using wood uh, stoves in their cooking. So other than, and you know, osteoporosis is, like I said, one of many different diseases that has just sort of taken the world by storm. And another one is diabetes. And there are so many diabetics these days. And I think we really need to take a step back and say, okay, why is this happening? Why are so, why do so many people have this disease? And you could say that for any disease, but specifically diabetes, because, um, you know, what I found personally is that I myself have started to develop, you know, different uh, symptoms of diabetes. And I consider myself to be a really healthy person. You know, I take, I eat really healthy. I take my, my vitamins, I take my supplements. So I was really, I started to get really concerned that I started developing, you know, slight things here and there that are pretty prevalent that you, that you tend to find in diabetics. And so that would be, you know, skin tags. I started developing a lot of them along my neck and, and I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I was trying all different types of methods of how to get rid of this. And, you know, I was, I was going from the outside in approach. So topical, you know, topical things to get rid of it. Um, in some cases I do not recommend this in some cases, you know, I'd cut it off, um, with like, you know, really, um, precise precision kind of scissors, but they would keep coming back. And so eventually, you know, looking all over the internet and watching a bunch of different videos, I started to understand that, you know, skin tags, especially along the neck, under the folds of the armpit, anywhere where you have folds of skin um, and, and, and moisture or heat could get trapped in there. So when you start developing skin tags in those areas, it's actually a symptom of di- of diabetes. And so I was like, well, how is it possible that I have diabetes? Like, you know, I, I had always thought that it was kind of an overweight disease and I don't, I don't consider myself, I'm not an overweight person. So I was like, I don't understand what's going on. And so anyway, once I discovered that I had several different, several different symptoms of diabetes. And, and so I, I also want to say this, you know, so I, I was, I was self-diagnosing. I did not get this diagnosis from a doctor and which, you know, to each his own, if you feel like you need to go to a doctor to get diagnosis for something that's completely, that's your prerogative. I personally don't, I tend not to go to doctors. And the reason is, is because I feel like there's no other person on earth that knows my body better than me. So I can go to a doctor and tell a doctor that I have this symptom or that symptom and the doctor can diagnose me, but the doctor's not going to know what the pain is like inside of me. It's not going to know how much it occurs. It's not going to know the, the doctor is not going to know my body better than I am. And so I personally, I don't want to outsource, um, a diagnosis to someone else who doesn't know my body as well as I do. And, um, I think it's extremely important for people to know how their body works and there's no other person that lives in your skin 
other than you. So no other person is going to know what triggers you. No other person is going to know what causes that allergic reaction. If, you know, what you ate, no other person is going to know what you ate last week or what you drank, you know, the other day, or maybe you had that flare up because you ate something and only you are going to know that, you know, and, and when you go to the doctor, you don't have hours or days to sit down and go through every single thing that you ate and drank over the past three weeks. So you have to know this yourself. You have to know, oh, I ate that food and then suddenly I started sneezing or I drank that drink or I had that milkshake and suddenly I have all this mucus buildup. Like only you are going to know that. Uh, A doctor can diagnose it, but only you are going to know what it is that you put in your body to cause to cause this or cause that. And so that's why I tend to figure things out on my own because I, I feel like I'm the only person that's going to know that, oh yeah, I ate that and that's suddenly and then suddenly I started having this weird rash on my arm. So, so so that's the reason why I went on when I when I started seeing these, you know, these uh, different, skin tags on my neck, I was like, what's happening? So I I decided to look into it myself. And in doing so, I came across some really great information on YouTube. I know some people may be like, oh, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't trust YouTube. But these are actual doctors that are that I I follow on YouTube. And um, this one doctor, I think it's Dr. Burke. He has a lot, lot of followers on YouTube, but he's great. He has excellent videos and he he goes into detail as to why these things are happening in your body or what it is that you ate that could cause this flare up or what's what kind of metabolic issue is going on to cause x y and z and so i looked up his videos on skin tags or i don't i don't know how i came across it but basically uh, i eventually got into the playlist of you know the diabetes and i was like oh my goodness i have i have a lot of that and what, what's happening in diabetes is, okay, so basically what's going on in what causes diabetes, or actually, let me go back. Let me go back real quick. So I mentioned this in episode two when I was talking about the invisible rainbow and how the electromagnetic fields around us are, are really causing a lot of health issues. And what, what we found is that or what, you know, these scientists have found is that exposure to electromagnetic fields actually interferes with our basic metabolism. So as a result, our mitochondria, which is inside of our cells, becomes less active and it has a harder time burning glucose and burning fat and burning protein. So if you have a hard time burning fat, then that excess fat gets built up along the arteries and then you get clogged arteries, which eventually turns into plaque and ultimately causes heart disease. And I'll probably talk about heart disease in a different episode. But what happens when you, when, when your glucose is unable to be burned, similar to what happens in heart disease, is the glucose ends up getting accumulated in the blood. And essentially this increases the insulin or the secretion of insulin um, by our pancreas. And insulin is a hormone that works to lower the blood sugar in the body. And so and so people who have type 2 diabetes have what's called insulin resistance. And and so what's 
essentially happening is their body is unable to metabolize sugars properly. And so what I found is that that's what was going on in my own body. I was unable to metabolize sugars. And and so what Dr. Berg, one of the recommendations he had was to go on a keto diet. And so I was like, you know, maybe I'll try it. And I was looking in the comments and a lot of people said that they've had a lot of they've reversed a lot of their health issues by going on a keto diet. And keto is essentially you you lower your carbohydrate intake and you basically cut out all sugars. And it's not a diet that you want to be on forever. It's almost like a regulate a regulating sort of diet. Um, if you end up doing keto for a long time, it's you want to kind of slowly incorporate sugars and and a little bit of carbs back into your diet. But when I so I decided, okay, let me just try it out because I need to figure something out. I, I keep having all these sort of flare ups, these little issues, um, these skin tags, and and a few other little things that. Um, you would that would fall under the category of uh, symptoms of diabetes. So I decided to get on a keto diet, and and by cutting out sugars, I did I did it really uh, strict for about a month and a half. And what I noticed is that as soon as I cut sugars out of my diet, all of the skin tags went away and all of my symptoms went away. So and so what I was able to do is I was able to reverse my the insulin resistance that I had. And I guess my body was 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 now able to metabolize sugars properly because I didn't have an overload of it, which means it wasn't getting pulled up in my blood. And so I, I, I wanted to say this because what Dr. Berg had said and what we're finding is that, you know, type two diabetes is so prevalent, especially in America, and if we look at the American diet, it makes sense, you know, like there's high carbs, high sugars. I mean, everything has sugars these days. And I'm the type of person where I go to the grocery store, I'm, I'm always looking at the ingredients because I'm very particular about what I put in my body. And if I, if I can't understand or if I can't pronounce the ingredient, I'm definitely not eating it. Um, if it's got a color like red five or yellow three or blue, you know, two or whatever, I'm not putting it in my body because I'm not, I just don't want to put food colorants in my body. But I, now that I am fully aware that the issues that I was having was because my body was unable to metabolize sugars because I, I had such a high, I was, I was eating so many sugars. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even realize it. And you don't even realize it until you cut it out. And the second I cut it out of my diet, I cut it out for about a week and a half. And then I, I think I had some semi sugary drink it was a drink that I thought was healthy and I drank, it was a matcha. It was like one of those matcha kind of drinks and I drank it and I could taste all of the sugar in it. So what I started doing now is I start, not only do I look at the ingredients list, I look at the nutritional facts. And so I'm looking at the sugars. And so most foods, most American foods, most foods that you're going to find on a grocery store and a grocery store shelf have so much sugar in them. It's, it's, it's kind of scary than the amount of sugar back in the fifties. It used to be like, it was normal to have just a few grams of sugar in your diet. And, and most people were pretty healthy back then, but now in 2023, there are, we're getting into 10, you know, 15, 20, 30 grams of sugar on average in a single 
you know, drink or, or nutritional bar or box of cereal or it's, it's everywhere. And, and so it makes sense as to why we see an explosion of diabetes, which is essentially an issue of insulin resistance and an inability to metabolize sugars. So we're seeing that increase because we're seeing an increase in sugars in the diet. And on top of that, we have the increase in electromagnetic capacity or, or electromagnetic use. It's widespread now. And what we're finding is that, or what that has been found is that the electromag, as I mentioned, increases and changes in electromagnetism cause metabolic issues within the body. And those metabolic issues cause issues such as insulin resistance. And specifically what happens in the, in the metabolic process um, through the electromagnetic stress, what's specifically happening is the mitochondria are not able to respirate properly. So, so according to the invisible rainbow, it's called a disordered respiration in the mitochondria. So what's going on is the respiratory enzyme within the mitochondria is slowing down. And so after you eat a meal, your cells can't oxidize the breakdown of the proteins or the fats or the sugars. And, you know, as I mentioned, when you don't have a, when you don't break down your fats properly, you get fats clogged up in your arteries, which ultimately becomes heart disease. And when you can't break down or oxidize the sugars, that's when you get insulin resistance, which turns into uh, diabetes, type two diabetes. So it's it's a holistic issue that's going on here. It's diet, it's it's environment, and like I had mentioned earlier in the episode, it's it's the lack of minerals in the soil. So I you know I really just wanted to. This was sort of a kind of touch and feel episode. I wanted to sort of touch all these issues um, because I do plan on discuss, especially especially the soil gardening and, and the farming aspect. I, I definitely will get into that later because gardening is such a passion of mine. And as I become a more experienced gardener, I'm learning more and more about how important it is to have these minerals in the soil. Because as we see in our environment, we're not able to metabolize properly anymore. We're not able to metabolize the minerals anymore. We're not even getting the minerals in the first place. So we need to make sure that all of these issues are fixed so that we can we can start to heal as a society and we can start to get rid of the diseases and illnesses that are have become so prevalent and as i had mentioned you know it is extremely important to know your body it's extremely it's extremely important to know what your health triggers are so if you eat something and you suddenly notice that your breathing is is a little bit labored or if you eat something and you notice that you're falling asleep right after a meal. That's that is a symptom a symptom of diabetes because your body is not metabolizing the the glucose properly, the sugars properly. So, you know, there's all these different things we have to start paying attention to our our ourselves. We have to, you know, I I highly recommend that everyone do this because if we keep outsourcing all of our problems to other people, you know, we're never going to know within ourselves what it is that caused X, Y, and Z. So if we are very cognizant of what 
what ingredients we're putting in our bodies, if we are cognizant of the lack of minerals in the soil, if we are cognizant of whatever issues that come up after we eat or drink drink something, or if we're in a particular environment, if we're, we're getting headaches or we're getting drowsy or we're having problems sleeping or we're having respiratory issues, we all need to be logging this internally. We need to be knowing what's causing these these stressors and what's causing these triggers for us. Um, and, and, and knowing this, we can subsequently heal ourselves. And, and that's the goal, right? You know, we're, the goal is to be a healthy, thriving society, not a sickly dependent society. So the first step, in my opinion, is, is knowing your body, knowing your health, and knowing how to diagnose yourself um, when it comes to small things, you know, um, if it's gotten to an extreme point, then obviously, you know, see your healthcare professional, but you have to know how you got there in the first place. You know, you don't just go from, you know, A to Z, you have to go through all the other letters in between. So, um, you have to know yourself and your body each stage of, of the process. And, you know, it was Hippocrates who was, you know, he was known as the sort of godfather of medicine. And he said, if you are not your own doctor, you are a fool. You know, even back then, they knew that you needed to know how to properly heal yourself. It's extremely important, especially in today's society, you know, with all these stressors around us. So, you know, I'll I'll kind of, I'll, I'll get more into, you know, different health topics and uh, different uh, herbs and different teas and stuff like that that I, I personally like to take whenever I have an illness or if anything comes up, um, I take that and I, I'm, I'm usually better really quickly within within 24 to 48 hours. I can usually get get rid of anything. And I've noticed that since cutting sugars out of my diet, I haven't I haven't had really any issues um, as far as my health is concerned, which is which is really interesting. I'm finding that really interesting. Uh, so yeah, so I, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I uh, please check out my website, nicole-burgess.com. I have links to the two books that I mentioned in this episode, both the invisible rainbow and the body electric. If you're interested in reading those books, you'll find that on my shop, my link on my website. If you click that, it'll take you to a different page, which has a whole um, list of different things that I recommend. And there's a section called recommended books. Also, if you go to, I think there's a section called home and garden. I've got, you know, my favorite gardening, gardening, uh, stuff in there. So you can check that out. Also on my website, I have a link for seeds that I, I the, there's a company that I love to go to for my seeds. And I have a link to that on my website as well. If you're interested in growing your own food, So once again, this is Life and Art with Nicole. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you in the next episode.